Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Tuesday, February 16th. I'm Nyla Boudou. Here's what you need to know today. Private industry hopes to help with vaccine distribution, plus the powers and perils of facial recognition technology. But first, Biden's first post-Trump moment is today's one big thing. Donald Trump's impeachment trial wrapped over the weekend with the Senate voting to acquit the former president on an article of insurrection. The yeas are 57, the nays are 43. The Senate judges that the respondent, Donald John Trump, former president of the United States, is not guilty as charged in the article of impeachment. Now, as they head into a week-long recess, lawmakers in Congress are preparing for another big fight. President Biden's $1.9 trillion stimulus package. So what does Congress's relationship to Biden look like now that impeachment is over? Hans Nichols covers the Biden White House for Axios. Hey, Hans, good morning. Morning. President Biden was pretty quiet during impeachment, right? What did we hear from him about this whole process? Well, he's quiet publicly, right? And that was by design and by strategy. He got drawn out once, I believe, in the Oval. He was asked if he would be watching the proceedings. I watched some this morning. I think the Senate has a a very uh, important job to complete. And I think uh, my guess is some minds may have been changed, but I don't know. Do you think conviction is possible? But in general, that wasn't part of the communication strategy to have President Biden narrate what was happening on the Senate. Their theory is that the old strategy is the new strategy, and that is continue to talk directly to the American people about the benefits of $1.9 trillion coursing through the economy, stopping COVID. That's the argument they've always wanted to make. Now they have a little less competition, at least when you look at sort of the media landscape. And I think because of that media landscape, people may have missed that there were different things that happened last week with the stimulus bill. What do we know about what happened last week? They're pushing forward, right? It does look like you're going to have some sort of process through reconciliation where you have 50 votes. That's all you need in the Senate. So the $1,400 of direct payments, the negotiation there is when it kicks in for what income levels, but it does look like that's moving forward. There's also something on extending unemployment benefits. That's really crucial. That's really driving the timeline on this because the current benefits expire mid-March. And then there's this much bigger idea of a huge child tax credit, which Democrats have long been pushing. It was in one of their CARES Act. And we'll see where Biden comes down on that, right? They haven't been crystal clear about where they are on that. And I I think that is one place where you could see some negotiations. So we started this conversation talking about how President Biden deliberately stayed out of the impeachment conversation. He has been talking about bipartisanship and unity, but he's also basically planning, it seems, to get this bill passed without the support of Republicans. So how much does that hurt? the president's overall message. I think he's sort of the fallback that he can do it without the Republicans. At the end of the day, they want to have some Republican votes in the Senate. There's also a subtle shift, and that is that bipartisanship just doesn't mean support from Republican senators or House lawmakers. Bipartisanship means you've got mayors across the country who are Republican who are supporting this. You have governors who are calling for its passage. So look for a subtle change on what bipartisanship means 
And what's Joe Biden doing this week? He's hitting the road, right? He's going to Michigan. He's going to Wisconsin. He's trying to get a broad swell of support for this across the country. Hans Nichols covers the Biden White House for Axios. We'll be back in 15 seconds with the blowback against facial recognition technology. Welcome back to Axios Today. In the aftermath of the Capitol insurrection, it wasn't hard to find pictures or videos of those involved, especially with law enforcement turning to facial recognition technology to identify and arrest individuals. But more questions are being raised around the efficacy and ethics of using that technology. Just this past Friday, the Minneapolis City Council voted to bar its police department from using facial recognition, joining other cities like San Francisco and Boston. Brian Walsh is Axios' future correspondent, and he's been reporting on this. Brian, can you start by telling us how accurate facial recognition technology is? How accurate facial recognition technology kind of changes depending on the quality of the images you're working with, the quality of the software as well. Generally speaking, it is fairly effective, but it's notoriously much less effective when it comes to non-white faces. A lot of reasons for that, in part because the databases they may be drawing from are not reflective of the real world. A 2019 federal study found that Asian and Black people were up to 100 times more likely to be misidentified than white men. That depends on the individual system, but that's something you find really across the board. So that's why some cities have just banned the use of it outright? I think that's really what's driven the resistance to this. And again, I think that's why there's a sense, okay, let's pause, figure that out, and then think about how can we best use this within the criminal justice system. And, you know, something like the Capitol Hill insurrection is really interesting because it kind of flips the script. I mean, that's a case where you have right-wing rioters, essentially, who are coming under the camera here. And we might think, okay, well, they did a terrible thing. They deserve to be identified. But you had issues of individuals just going on websites and using very basic facial recognition software to find people. I don't think we really want that. You know, I think that's quite concerning, the idea that this can fall all the way down to the individual level where you don't know how good the system is they're using. You don't know what their motivations are. But that's really one of the issues we get down to, which is that when you get a technology that's powerful that can be used by essentially everyone and it's going to get easier and easier as the years go by, if you don't put some rules in the road, if you just let the technology drive the bus, so to speak, you end up in some really ugly places, I think. Brian Walsh is Axios's future correspondent. CEOs are stepping up in an effort to achieve what the government has yet to do, mass distribution of the coronavirus vaccine. That includes the private sector, like Amazon, Microsoft, and Starbucks. Those are among major companies to offer resources, according to Axios's Courtney Brown's reporting. Hey, Courtney, how can a company like Starbucks help with vaccination efforts? So basically what Starbucks has done is they went to the governor of Washington state and said, how can we help? And basically what they can do is give advice to the government about how to model mass vaccination sites. Microsoft is also getting in. They're offering to help run the state's vaccine online dashboard. Costco is assisting with vaccine delivery logistics. On the day of inauguration, we saw Amazon send a letter to the White House and say, hey, we can help. We have resources at our disposal that can help you at the federal level with this mass vaccination effort. So you see CEOs wanting to get involved at the federal level. But largely what we've seen as far as CEO and private sector involvement has been 
at the local level. Obviously, Courtney, the private sector also has limitations. What obstacles are they running into? Yeah, and I think, honestly, there's probably some skepticism around a company like Amazon, which is big and all-powerful, helping with the federal vaccine rollout. I think a cynic might say, well, what is Amazon getting in response? Are they getting our data? I think the other thing to point out is private sector involvement, that might not be a save-all for this effort, right? So... While it's great that CEOs want to get involved, I think there's a lot of skepticism and cynicism around whether that is actually the answer. Axios Markets reporter Courtney Brown. Thanks, Courtney. Thanks, Nyla. That's it for us today. If you want more news, you can always tune into our afternoon podcast, Axios Recap. And you can send feedback to podcast at axios.com or to me directly on Twitter. My handle's Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And we'll see you back here tomorrow morning.